0: Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Kate, welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast.
1: It's good to be back, Owen, for a very special day today.
0: Yes, we we have a very, very special guest with us today. Um, What listeners might not know is that for the past maybe 30 or maybe 40 episodes, there's been someone in the background. There's been someone kind of just lurking around. Uh, As we record our shows, every show, there's been someone with us, and that person is Monique. Monique is the producer of the Australian Finance Podcast, and she joins us today for this very special Valentine's Day episode. Welcome to the show, Monique.
2: Hello, I'm not in the background <laughs> today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, it's um, it's your turn to be in front of the, the camera as we record this and in front of the mic. So um, for those of uh, you listeners that who do not know Monique, Monique is our producer. She's uh, She works across both the Australian Finance Podcast and the Australian Investors Podcast. She's the genius behind all the videos and the audio that you hear and see. So Monique, maybe before we get into kind of the the meat and potatoes of this episode, which is... Um, Relationships and money in Valentine's Day.
1: More like chocolate May- and
0: flowers. More like chocolate and flowers. Yes, we just discovered twenty-seven billion dollars is what Americans spend on Valentine's Day every year. Minik, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? What do you do? How do you spend your weekends? All of it.
2: Well, other than working on the podcast, um, mm. I'm also a live music photographer. So I' out on the town every weekend, which is nice. Not so much throughout COVID, but hopefully that'll come back soon. Um, yep. Yeah and just working on these podcasts
0: (laughs) yeah cool i like it so we're just chatting off air um every year when we do spotify wrapped we can see as people that produce shows we can see what other people listen to and also on the back end we can see the analytics of what um you know the favorite artists are so if someone listens to our podcast inside spotify what do they go and listen to uh, some of the names. Kate, you've got the names, don't you? Who, who are, yeah, for the, who the finance
1: artists? podcast and surprisingly it's very similar for the investors podcast. Um, we've got Justin Bieber, Taylor Swift, Drake, um, I think The Weeknd and Ed Sheeran.
0: So um, yeah.
1: similar taste to me though, so I don't know what that means.
0: Maybe you're the one downloading all the episodes inside <laughs> Spotify. So Monique, of those guests... Oh, no, of those artists, sorry, those world famous artists. Have you shot any of them? Have you, you know, been the photographer for any of those gigs?
2: I've done Taylor Swift and The Weeknd a few years back, which is really cool.
0: <laughs> nice. Where did you do Taylor Swift?
2: That was at Rod Laver. That night was actually a big night. I had two gigs in one night. So it was a bit of a rush, but it was good fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, nice. And yeah, because I was, I, th- I can't remember who I was telling during the week. But I reckon you've been to more gigs in like one week, maybe like the past week, than I have probably in my life. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yeah, well, I used to do like maybe three, four a week. So it was full yeah. on.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. That's awesome. Um, so if you need your gig shot, um, get in touch with Monique. Um, send us a, a, a DM on in, uh, Instagram or Twitter and we'll, um, we'll set you up with the best photographer we know. Um, okay, Monique, so today we, we're, we're going to be talking about money, relationships, those types of things. Um, Kate, I believe you're going to pay MC, Master of Ceremonies, for today's podcast. So maybe we'll throw it over to you and then you can you can moderate.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the reason we want to bring Monique is she's in a newer relationship and figuring out all that money stuff for the first time later in her 20s. And Owen's in a much more established relationship where they kind of just dove in headfirst and didn't talk about money straight away. And that kind of worked itself. So it's two different perspectives about money in relationships. And just because it's such a personal thing, like no two situations are the same. Everyone deals with money, like personally differently and in relationships differently as well. Um, And so we're not telling you what to do today. Um, We're just sharing some thoughts, sharing some things that have worked for Monique and Owen and things that have maybe gone well not gone so well good conversations bad conversations to have to just start opening up the conversation um and valentine's day is as good as any day to start talking about this stuff
0: yes kate did want to do divorce on valentine's day
1: <laughs> yes i was uh monique pointed out to me that putting a divorce episode on valentine's day was not a good idea so stay tuned next week yeah. for uh, all of the stuff about divorce prenups uh separation and the costs involved there if
0: that it excites have, you it would have been the ultimate bit of marketing though to do a divorce episode on the day of like valentine's day oh, stroke a genius from you kat i'm sorry we couldn't do that but uh yeah yeah that was about-
2: slightly tempted not to say anything <laughs> <laughs> and
0: he could just
1: let me throw myself under the bus there um but yeah i guess i'll throw it over to you if you want to kick off owen why do you think it's so important to talk about money in relationships and whether you want to expand that to relationships with
0: partners,
1: kids, close family members, colleagues, friends.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, So Chris Bates who's the mortgage broker. We did the, the, we have the property course with, and he's been on the show a few times. He said something really interesting to me, and I've never heard it put this way. And he actually, I think he mentioned it on this podcast, which is where he said that the financial world is basically built for couples. And that's that's pretty, that's a pretty tough pill to spot, swallow if you're single, but it's, um it's probably the truth, right? Because when we think about what the kind of average Australian does, they get a mortgage, they have pretty expensive, like a pretty big loan, and they have a couple of kids, right? So mm. if you have one income, it's pretty hard to do a lot of those things. You definitely can do it. Like we know so many people that do that and fantastic. It's awesome. But um it is easier when you have like two people working together financially because for a period of your life you typically have two incomes and then when you have children if that's the way you go um, one of you can typically still work and maybe the other one can do some part-time work after a few years if they want to or they need to and then when they come back to work you've still got two incomes again and the basic idea we know is that more income in and less going out means that you want to build wealth quicker so having twice the income works and then you can also have what we call synergies on the spending side where you only pay rent once you know you only pay the mortgage once Um, and so you can split those things if you want to so if you can if you can effectively communicate and share goals personally having two people working together with their finances is like superpower. so um i guess there are a few things here which we'll we'll of unpack but communication is obviously one of them and communication comes with I guess having shared values as well which we'll get to
1: yeah absolutely and I think one of the important things to start with is just when are you ready to start talking about that money conversation I mean it's not probably the thing you bring up on the first date um apart from maybe like who pays for the who pays for the meal or the movie tickets but I don't know if for you Monique when when did it seem like the right time to actually start having that money conversation and What did you start with um, for that?
2: Yeah. So mine's like super recent, Um, like literally three weeks ago, we had the conversation. Mm. Um, Yeah. So I bought my place probably like six months ago, six or eight months ago, Um, like not intending to move in with my partner, but then he ended up moving in, which is all sweet. Um, And then I had the thought of opening up like a shared bank account, but bit lazy just let that go for a bit and then it just got until recently where i was like no i'm actually buying the breaded milk quite a lot here i think <laughs> we need to open up a shared bank account just to make it a bit more fair
0: mm-hmm. and and how did that conversation like how did that conversation go was that was that easy it was to super bridge? That? easy yeah? yeah
2: yeah yeah super easy like we're super chill with each other nothing's ever like a big Deal type thing. So it was super easy. And yeah, my partner was straight into it. He got out his phone and just made the bank account on Upbank.
0: (laughs) Oh, nice. Upbank. Okay. I've converted you as well, have I? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Kate
2: said Upbank is good.
1: I'm going to do Upbank. (laughs) (laughs) My unpaid
0: influencer work for the year is
2: done.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. So, okay, cool. So you just like, that was the time, like, you're like, okay, this needs to be said and done. And then okay maybe I'm trying I'm trying to play host here Kate you be the host. I'm just gonna I'm the guest <laughs> what am I saying
1: no I know and what about you Owen because I know you had quite a different situation because you uh met your wife really young and kind of dove head first in that, in that money conversation how how much further along the track did that start coming up
0: well we never um I think like most good relationships I guess they start kind of frictionless like you start with um without really thinking about things. And so it's very easy to kind of just get, get into the routine of just going about your business and doing what you want to do. Um, and that can be good and bad, right? Because it can be good in the sense that, oh, you know, everything's fine. Let's not bring it up. But then the other side is, no, we should probably talk about it because sooner or later, there might be some financial stress in this relationship. Most um, couples and, you know, families will have financial stress somewhere along the line. So how do you deal with those? And if you're not you know, upfront about that, I think that makes it more difficult. But for us, because um, Sarah and I, we met, I was 17. She was 16. We were incredibly young uh, when we met. And so I think for us, it was a kind of a different like sequence. I was, I was a bit older and I'd moved out when I was 18, 19. Um, and, you know, I was kind of already fending for myself from a very young age and Um, so I was kind of familiar with that where Sarah had the more kind of like she stayed at home until she was uh, through uni and and all that type of stuff and so we never really had to talk about it because um, we were both self-sufficient for many years so probably like the first four or five years we were just really self-sufficient and it wasn't a case of um, you know there weren't any clear rules around who pays for what or does what it was more so just that we were both fine as in we could both fend for ourselves and that's kind of the way we built it from there. Um, So then by the time it was many years down the track, we combined our finances and we didn't even bat an eyelid because we'd already, we are already in the routine. Now, one of the mistakes that I think we've made even, you know, up until recently um, one of the mistakes that we've made is we haven't had clear goals around our finances. And that's been really important because um, for Sarah, my partner, she, likes to be clear and have goals and I'm the type of person that doesn't so I've been kind of stubborn with that and I think that's been a mistake not to have those shared goals and we've always had a shared goal to start a business and to get through uni and hopefully travel and do all those types of things but we didn't write these things down which we should have done.
1: Yeah and I think that applies to all the goals and when we've talked about goal setting on episodes in the past it's really applying that but To the overall relationship as well not just to your individual situation because you've actually got those shared resources and the you might be supporting someone and the situation will look quite different and i think we talked a little bit about like times when maybe you're ready to combine finances but i don't know if either of you have perspectives or maybe stories or anecdotes from friends of like when might you not be ready to combine finances
0: with your significant other Um, well, I'll go first. Um, and if Monique has something, maybe she can dive into this. Um, mm-hmm. I think when you haven't spoken about finances, and I think when you have question marks over your partner's financial hygiene, I think those are the times when you might not combine your finances. Because let's be honest, there are a lot of like a- almost everyone in the world. Maybe there are like the 1% of people. I imagine, Kate, you're one of these superstars. Um that don't have anything that's kind of like out of shape with their finances. Like a lot of people um, either don't have a healthy relationship with money or they have some sort of vice or routine that they fall into, which consumes some of their money. And they might not be completely honest with that. Um, You know, they might have debts um, and they might have different values about money too. So if you haven't communicated um, with them about, you know, some simple questions, which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute, Um, And also if, you know, you get the sense that they're not very um, competent with money, I think you want to just keep your distance until you can help them through that. Yeah, I I haven't experienced that myself, so I can't say that, um, you know, I don't have any lived experience with this, but that would be something that I would be mindful of.
2: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Like, if you're not sure what the other person's doing with their money, I'd kind of just stay away from joining anything.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, I guess maybe, maybe a question for you Monique then is um, how, like, how long have you and your partner been together?
2: Um, like three-ish years.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, so you've been, you've, you've probably like, you've done a lot of things together. You've talked yeah. about like careers and and jobs and and things like that before. Like, has that been, has there been an open discussion? Like as in, have you been able to talk about money in any way?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, because both of us have been in, like, the freelance position because he's a musician as well. So we always have to just really keep an eye on our balance and when's the next yeah. job coming up? Um, I mean, for me, not so much now, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, throughout the start of our relationship, we were very conscious about money and um. Yep like how well we were saving. And yeah, if we actually wanted a future together, um, how is this going to work? Like, yeah, we've always kind of spoken about the future and if we're to move into it with each other, like, could we actually do it with Mm. our current job situations and stuff like
0: that? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really interesting thing that you bring up about freelancers. There's a lot of people that listen to this, that would be a freelancer or potentially um, a contractor. And so for them, um, you know that regularity in income probably makes um, their situation a little bit more precarious, or like at least they think. Oh, you know, I don't, I don't know if I should combine finances. And I think one of the things that people maybe get stuck with is kind of like the maybe not maybe shame is a pretty tough word, but like they feel ashamed. They have like a sense of like, oh, I don't know if I can share this with my partner because I'm not sure if I'm happy with it. Um, whether they have debt. Or whether they, you know, they think that they should be doing more, and I think maybe if that's the case, I'd just say be honest with your partner, because you're going to be stronger together. Um, you know, if, I think one difference between um, Sarah and I is that Sarah um, comes from a very stable financial background, whereas I don't. And so I was used, so used, used, used. I was familiar with uh, having low low balances um, when I was a teenager in my bank accounts. Like I was, I was at times, you know, had like 20 or $30 in my bank account for, for days or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, that was very, very common for me. And whereas for her, it probably wasn't because she didn't have to really worry about that at home. And so I think those types of insecurities can, can come up too. And um, I think the best thing to do is just to be honest early on and, it can be painful, but it's definitely worth it. It's definitely worth being yep. honest with your partner.
2: Yeah, rather than leaving it to the last minute, then you oh, yeah, let's move in together. And one has absolutely yeah. no money. And then the other that's one's been it. saving for 20 years. <laughs> that's
0: it. I th- and I think that's, I think it's a sign of a strong relationship too when you can be open um, with each other about, oh, hey, um, this is, I have this, you know, credit card debt and I want to get rid of it. Like I think if someone, if your partner comes to you and they say, hey, I've got credit card debt, I know I shouldn't have it if they come to you and say that um, that's a huge step for them because they're probably, they feel, they might feel ashamed if you've got your financial situation in order, like you listen to the Australian finance podcast every week and you're a religious saver and investor and all that, if they come to you and say that they're probably thinking, you know, Oh, I'm really intimidated about saying this. I wonder if it will come between us. Um, You should probably give them credit for coming up and saying that to you. Of course, you've got to, you know, understand why it happened and, um how you can work together or you know all those types of things but just the, the act of coming together and saying hey I've been paying for the bread and milk um, let's work out a budget or let's 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 think about this together I think that's really powerful so um it's really good for couples too so Kate we've rambled for long enough what questions do you have for us
1: <laughs> no no I think it's really good and just seeing I, even in the last few days in our facebook community some people are saying that they've working to get their partner on board with the financial plan and sort of like coming up with shared goals together, working to get out of debt together, working to invest together. I think you can, you can really be so much more powerful working towards your financial goals when there's two of you that are aligned. And yeah, one might be a spender and one might be a saver, but I think if you've got those common goals and you, you sort of work out what you want together and how you're going to get there. And even going through this like personal finance journey and going down the rabbit hole of listening to podcasts, reading books, going through the Money Smart website that many of us go through at some point, like having someone to go through it with just makes it so much easier. And then you've got someone to go, hey, I don't really get that. And you can use each other as a sounding board. So I think that's really important. I'm glad to see so many people in our community doing that at the moment.
0: Yeah. And um, I, yeah, there, there's there's so much to that. Like if sooner or later, I think you will have to deal with your finances, whether you're single or you're um, in a couple, that's just what you got to do. Uh, it's like an unavoidable thing. So, um, just being prepared for that, if you can. And also, I think that the one thing you touched on there, which is a really important thing, uh, and which is really tricky for a lot of couples, I've seen this play out. We we haven't had this issue, but um, is if one person in the couple is doesn't understand it, I think that and doesn't really want to engage, it is it can be feel really lonely to try and get that person involved. And often it's like persistence pays off and you've got to start the conversation in a way that has nothing to do with money. So basically nothing to do with money because if you touch the concept of money in their presence, they might get really emotional and defensive and not want to go down that pathway. So something that I've been working on recently is basically this idea of, and I should have done this years ago, by the way, um, this idea of like designing your, your perfect life or like designing your ideal life. So this is not, you know, oh, I'm going to have, you know, uh, I think the Barefoot Investor wrote about Robbie, R- Robbie Williams' mansion, <laughs> which cost him $700,000 in taxes every year. This is not, you know, a 50-acre estate with 27 bathrooms and, um, you know, you've got a fairy tale lifestyle. It's not that. It's actually just thinking about, well, what do I actually want from life? Like what makes me content and happy? Um, who makes me content and happy? And what will I be doing? Um, so, you know, for me, that might be just a, regular house um, with a dog and maybe some chickens and, you know, some kids. And that's basically it, right? And so then we, you can work back from there. If you have that kind of lifestyle as a couple or as a single, well, what do I need to do to achieve that? Um, financially, uh, probably not that much. You know, you probably just need to be sensible. So for, for most people, if you're trying to tackle that issue about, well, not necessarily, let's just have a conversation about money like no one really wants to talk just about money. Like it, it's not that entertaining. But if you say to them, hey, let's sit down and let's design a lifestyle together. Um, what do you want from life? Let's go away. Let's talk about this. What do you want? And that's a totally different conversation. And then the money comes into it because then you're like, okay, well, how can we do this? Um, and it's more like problem solving together rather than saying, let's just talk about money, which is pretty intimidating for a lot of people. So yeah, we've talked about the psychology of money. It's a very powerful thing. That's kind of a way that couples can um, introduce that, that concept um, and slowly work on their partner
1: yeah and i think another thing that we wanted to talk about is just splitting costs for things like rent and mortgages and vehicles and gifts and things and i know you've um, had that experience recently monique because you Mm -hmm. uh, bought your first property which is really exciting all by yourself (laughs) and then you had someone
2: move in with you yeah yeah, um, yeah. so that was kind of a surprise element to my change in life. Um, but yeah, I bought my little one bitter apartment, um, not really intending for my partner to move in, um, but then he ended up moving anyway, which was great. Um, and it's all worked out, it's totally fine. But um, yeah, the I didn't really think about the cost of things um, to begin with, because it wasn't just in the forefront of my mind. But yeah, we've just ended up working it out along the way, um, asking for advice, like even just what the people around me have been doing with their partners. So I asked my sister, I asked my parents um, and a couple of mates who have done the same thing. And yeah, so we pretty much just split the mortgage, split the bills. Um, Yeah, it's very just straightforward.
0: (laughs) You just split it straight down the middle? Is it just like 50-50? Yeah,
2: Yeah, 50-50. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's simple, I guess.
2: Yeah. It just makes it easier. And yeah, he was fine with that. So I was fine with that, but yeah. And then I keep bringing it up, bringing it up. Um, like if he ever wants anything to change, just to bring it up with me and that's totally fine and I'll do the same.
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah, That's really important. I think, um, keep like just having that open conversation. Um, so yeah, right. So does, does that mean that you then, um, like you, you did a budget together?
2: Not like we didn't really sit down and do it properly, but um yep. we just like kind of know what goes where, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, kind of like what,
0: <laughs> what needs to be paid for every month or yeah something yeah. like that. Yeah. So yep. then you have it's like- It's very your, casual. <laughs> yeah. So you start with your mortgage and then basically, so so the way I'm thinking of this is like you have your costs, which would like have the mortgage slash rent in it. Yep. And then you'd have- utilities like internet um you know, gas electricity whatever and yep. then you've got like groceries basically and that's yeah that's probably it yeah you just that's kind it, of split them all yeah yeah and, and then so you still your incomes are still your own it's just that um those those costs are shared
2: yeah yeah exactly yeah we still kind of we still have our separate bank accounts and everything and everything's kind of separate it's just the house stuff is in a separate little folder so
0: yeah right okay yeah got you yeah um we uh yeah we're obviously been doing this for a long time but we've always just i think it was after a few years we got the joint bank account and the joint bank account became we got two cards for that and then it became you know there's this this three or four savings accounts attached to that and then it was um a brokerage account for investing and then yeah it just basically morphed from there but it did start with it did start with um just a simple like let's just split these bills like I was living out of home and um Sarah would just contribute to food and, and and what have you so yeah 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 and then it came we basically started paying all the bills together and then we thought well how can we strip everything out um so then we went back to like one car you know got rid of all debt um and just kind of like annihilated everything and then we just took our cost base down to like as low as it could go um which meant that that we could save as much as possible um yeah kate i don't know if you have any other questions please fire from the hip
1: <laughs> i guess the other one was just those big things like saving up for trips and like splitting costs of gifts or like vehicles and mm. things um i don't know if you had any tips like something that works for you monique that might be helpful to others
2: yeah so this is one I'm kind of not sure of still um, the gifts thing. Like what mm. do you do if it's your, my friend's wedding? Do you split the gift cost or do I just pay for it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, That's a tough one. I'd love to hear what people do in the, in the, the Facebook community for this, because I feel like there are no, there's no run, one right answer to this. So I feel like we would love to hear from you. If you do do this, like, how do you do it for us? It's, it's basically at christmas time it's probably the tricky time because that's when all the gifts come out like you have to have a big budget and basically we set it well it's not like a thing where we sit down and we do like a spreadsheet and we go this person's going to have this much basically what we do is we keep it equal across the family so if uh say my brother you know we spend hundred dollars on him then we'll spend hundred dollars on her brother you know, that's kind of like how we do it. Um, and then for for weddings and the more ad hoc things that pop up here and there, it's kind of just like we we both contribute to that. And um, because they're kind of both of our friends, it's different for you because you're kind of in this, you're like probably in this in-between state where you've got, yeah. um, you're not quite fully banking together and you're not sharing all of your finances, but you're sharing yeah. some of them. So like my gut feel, you know my gut feel would be that you you kind of you could just you could pay for your friends um gifts if you have if you have shared couples you might chip uh, like couples friends you might you might chip in for that but if it's your friend you might take responsibility for that and that's yes you know even though Sarah and I we share our finances that's basically how we do it like uh there was an instance not too long ago where someone had a wedding and Sarah's like you know what I'm gonna go and spend I think she said I'm gonna go and spend four hundred dollars on this person's wedding gift and i was like sure go and do that that's what's important to you. you go and do that and even though it was our money i didn't care um and that's mm-hmm. by the way that's the most i think we've ever spent it's quite outlandish you know think about it, it must but, have been a good <laughs> gift yeah. what was it yeah, yeah i don't know <laughs> just <laughs> vanished out of the bank <laughs> but, uh, so yeah and so that was completely fine whereas in the past we would have to we were on a budget you know if we were starting the business we were studying and doing all those types of things. We couldn't afford to spend a lot of money, but we just tried to keep it as even as possible. Um and you know, as kids, as like nieces and nephews have come into the picture, it's just got too much. And we've had to be realistic around how much we can and can't spend. So we um we then kind of backpedaled from like, oh well, we won't give a gift to you know our brothers and sisters. Instead we might do the the Chris Kringle thing at Christmas or, you know, where you pull a name out of the hat and and whatever. And that's probably been a way to save money while also keeping everyone happy. It doesn't really fit the the, the situation you're in right now. But yeah, I think you're kind of halfway between. And yep. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you still have your own money, right? Like you have a, basically the way yeah. I think about it is you have your discretionary money. Like you can do what you want with your money. Um, yep. you have yeah, your independent exactly. Money. So
2: yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. Um, Kate what do you do you just spend big on everyone for, for those <laughs> listeners I love <laughs> buying gifts yeah for those listeners um for those listeners who who don't know Kate personally um Kate I think said she bought about 50 gifts at Christmas or something I was lucky enough to get about four of them um Monique also uh, Monique and Sally also got me a gift which is wonderful too um but yeah Kate what do you do is it like do you do you set a budget like as a single person do you do you set a budget and be like, this is what I'm spending at Christmas or for this wedding or whatever?
1: Yeah, well, because I also use Up Bank and we're absolutely not affiliated, <laughs> but um, every month when my pay hits, I have money that goes automatically aside to a Christmas bank account. So I tried that for the first time last year and that was really helpful just knowing I had that money set aside for the end of the year because I do like to be generous at Christmas time. <laughs> and so having that money there just makes me feel a lot better about it. Um, I've also got a gifts and flowers um, savings account because Ah, I, when people's birthdays come up and things like that, that, I I want that money put aside. Um, I also have sort of after all the stuff we've done with Peter Singer and the life you can save, I have like an effective giving account. So that money's always put aside there as well. So while I'm giving to friends and family, I'm also giving to organizations that really need that money. Um, And I have a range of other accounts, but that having that automated payments split everything up has really helped as well and even for books because that's something i value and i like spending money on i have money uh, automatically go into an account for that but hmm. i think even just the the splitting even splitting i mean i haven't personally experienced this and i don't know if either you two have but um i think even splitting can work like at the initial stage of the relationship but down the track i mean i came from a household where my father looked after my sister and I most of the time. And so just splitting everything down the dotted line doesn't work always. And especially if one person's the caregiver at home or someone's ill or someone can't work unemployed for a while. So I think, I don't know if that's something like people figure out further down the relationship that sometimes things don't have to be evenly split and time can be just as important. Um, and that relationship Absolutely. than just like 50, 50, everything. And especially if someone's, um, earning a significant amount more um, than the other person, you might split proportion wise or change your arrangements. And I think that comes to just having that conversation, being transparent and working out what works for you.
0: Yeah. There, um, so the, the the two experiences that we have here, we've got Monique who is in her twenties um, and met her partner. Um, I in my teens met my partner. Um, and so this is not how, many partners in fact maybe most partners meet in fact most partners uh, they meet after they've accumulated either debt or assets or a combination of the two so people come together at different life stages so someone in their mid-30s or 40s maybe someone's got kids already and basically what happens is they come together and they are not equals so they are not equals even you know in the remotest sense, like you could have someone that has uh, two kids, a single parent and is renting a house and trying to make ends meet. And they meet someone who is, who's never had kids, who is, who's been single for a while and earns $200,000 in a high paying job. Right. And so how do you deal with that? Um, these are, these are much more complicated situations because you can't just go, here's you know straight down the middle. That's mm. yours. This is mine. There are many different um do you ask actually a question before kate about how do you split like big expenses we didn't actually talk about that we kind of jump straight to gifts um i think there are some it's a things fun thing isn't it yeah yeah it is <laughs> it's valentine's day um so there are some things here to keep in mind that um if you have if you if you go into to debt with each other um that should probably you should be careful with that because you'd want to talk about it uh, is, are you both on that debt, um, Money Smart has a gui- uh, guide on this, and they say basically if you have, if you don't go guarantor for your partner unless it's like, you know, unless you're absolutely 150% certain and you've spoken to other people in your life or your financial advisor, do not go guarantor for your partner, um, especially if your name's not on that asset. So the thing that they're buying with the loan that you then go guarantor for, um, do not do that. Um, and that's even important for parents too. So if there are parents listening to this and you're child has just met someone and you want to go guarantor for their first home or whatever, maybe talk to them about putting the house in the name of your child um, as a way to protect yourself or having some type of agreement in place. Um, You will also need to get legal advice. Typically, the bank will require you to get that before you go guarantor. Um, If you do take out a loan for something, if you're in a relationship, it's important that both of your names are on the loan as well as the asset. So, um, and you have an agreement for that. And one, I know one thing that's not, we talked about this in the office yesterday. Uh, Kate, one thing that's not very, I guess, uh, romantic is when you're, you're falling for someone and then you talk to them about, Hey, did you want to maybe think about doing a, uh, like a financial prenup? Um, that's, <laughs> that's not exactly like candlelit date worthy material, mm. but it is important, right. For a lot of people. And like you said, you could you start with the prenup this is mine and we agree we are agreeing on this and then after five or ten years you think okay, let's get rid of that let's just everything is everyone's and that's a way to protect yourself in the meantime and I think that's a really good way to be honest with your partner. Um, it's a tough pill to swallow maybe at times but it is really important you know if, if finance, and building wealth of early retirement whatever creating a business is really important to you hopefully your partner can share can can share that kind of like goal and understand why maybe a prenup is important um and you can get expert legal advice on this right kate
1: yeah and we've got actually two episodes coming up next week uh fingers crossed Um, If it's next week, it might be the week after, Um, just about how divorce, separation, prenups, because I think it's an important conversation to have, even if you don't end up getting the document, just being really open and transparent about assets and liabilities, and especially uh, because we're not all getting married and having kids at the age of 18 anymore um a lot of us are having careers and investing and traveling and all that first and so many of us are going into relationships with more assets than we might have used to and so having that conversation I mean for me like financial independence is really important and being able to always support myself uh, is important so um I think like prenups can be a good tool to use so we'll be stay tuned uh for the coming episodes where we'll actually be talking to a lawyer and a barrister about that But on a maybe more positive note, (laughs) um, if we just talk about like some potential questions that if you are thinking about starting that conversation about money, uh, maybe you'd like to bring up with your partner on one of those barefoot investor date nights, maybe not Valentine's Day, but uh, maybe you're going for a coffee monthly money catch up on the weekends. Um, Monique, is there some questions that you would Think listeners might want to ask their significant other to sort of start bringing up their conversation about money.
2: um Yeah, well, other than saying like, "What have you got in your savings?" Um, <laughs> <laughs> just going straight to the straight to the savings. Account. How much money you got? I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what I did. Um, okay. yeah. <laughs> but um no, you can just kind of bring it up really casually. Um, maybe also like when you go out to dinner. You can kind of say, oh, can you afford this one? Um, just like bring it up in a conversation like that, just to kind of gauge um, where they are with their money and yeah, if they can or can't afford things to begin with. And then that kind of like can lead the conversation to more probing questions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a good one. And I'm, I'd probably add... Maybe ask that before you go into the restaurant and before you've got the bill in front of you. <laughs> 500 dollars bill at the restaurant. Yeah. The yeah. But but that's that's a good that's a good I think that's a really smart move, Monique, because you, you could, if you say, well, where are we going to go for dinner tonight? And then you look at the different mm. options and you say, can you afford this? Yeah. You know, or can we afford this? You know, that's yeah. a really easy ice-breaking question into finance. Can we afford this? Um, yeah. yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> um, we 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 did. Uh, well you got you guys did a bit of cramming ahead of this and you found some questions too um do, who wants to read these questions out like is it kate you're the moderator yeah.
1: yeah well one of them um which made me think back to our episode with mel brown about money mindset and how we grew up with money is talking about how you describe your spending habits so potentially if you can't go if it's not appropriate to go straight into the, the juggler and like, how much is in your bank account? How much did you spend this month? Show me now. Um, like, what do you like to spend money on? What brings you joy to spend money on? What don't you like spending money on? Um, maybe like some, are you a spender or a saver? Maybe you can sort of glimpse that. Um, maybe they've got a secret uh, shopping habit. That might be a good way to start bringing that conversation up. And maybe even like, what did you learn about money growing up? Because that tells you, A lot about the person and can also often work out like maybe if you have really different approaches to money right now it ties back to how you grew up with your parents and your family and your community and like that stuff once often once it's uncovered and talked about it can make things a lot easier to get on the same page
0: yeah there we've got a heap of questions here um, which we'll put in the show notes too so if you're interested in this kind of money and relationships checklist go into the show notes and just see which ones you could try on um so i think one of the things you touched on there and the, the thing that we've touched we haven't really touched on in this conversation so far is the value set mm-hmm. of people with money and as we know you know from brilliant books like the psychology of money um being good with money has more to do with how you kind of behave than how smart you are um and the, a lot of our experiences the way we view the world Um, come from our parents. And, you know, it's like that thing where um, they say that that your first job out of university is the most influential in your career, because it's when you you kind of form as a person and you form these habits and values. And it's the same with your parents, you kind of learn a lot from them. And um, I think it's important that you recognize that impact on you. So sit back now, think to yourself, what was my childhood like? What was my dad like with money? What was my mother like with money? Did we have conversations about money? What were their parents like with money? And if you can kind of get to the bottom of that, you maybe need to write it down. You might be able to begin to understand how you perceive money and you have developed your work ethic and your view of things. And I think that type of critical thinking is really important because if you meet someone too, you probably want to do those same things, but for them, you're probably thinking, how did they get to where they are? Who is this person that I see in front of me today and how do they develop their money habits. Um, mm. And if you can understand that, I think you'll have a better chance at understanding their habits with money. So if they come from a really insecure background of, you know, financially financial insecurity, maybe they've developed habits that you need to work with them, you know, on and kind of unwind a bit. And so questions like, how do you feel about debt? Did you have conversations about money growing up? How did your parents handle the budget? Did you ever see them talk about money? Have your parents ever said to you, this is how much I earn and this is how much we spend? You know, have they talked to you about investing? Have you ever considered investing? These are the types of questions you can ask. And I think they're fantastic questions to ask. I wish I asked these questions earlier on myself, to be honest. Mm, Yeah. yeah.
1: And I think even just that, as you mentioned at the start of the episode, talking about those short, medium and long-term goals, because that's often a... Uh, less scary way to bring up that conversation as well, because most of our goals involve some sort of time or financial commitment, often both. And so, um, even just saying, "Oh, I'm really I'm saving up to get a new laptop, or to go on a holiday, or to buy my first home," that's an easy way to sort of start that money conversation and make it a bit less scary, because it's it's more about the the end result. And so the process um, sort of happens on the way. But that's a good way to start. going, oh, how are you saving up for that? computer or holiday or first home deposit what's your strategy what are your suggestions what are you trying out and that's a i think that's a really easy way even just my experience with friends and family to -hmm. bring up that conversation because uh you've got something exciting at the end to look forward to and it just makes it all less scary
0: yeah and by the way ladies um Men suck at talking about money. Just, just a straight up heads up. Men are terrible. So um, try and find s- some ways to appeal to their senses. um You know, men are more like the hunter-gatherer type people. Um, they like to go out and earn the money. Um, they don't often talk about the the budgeting side of things. But if you can bring it back and you can make it once again, as we talked about, like values, but then also having a conversation that maybe doesn't have anything to do with money at first, and then you kind of weave that in, um, bring that into the conversation and try and find what really interests them. If, like If they want to go out and buy a jet ski, um, ask them to just walk you through it a bit and then say, well, if you get that, what do I get? Or, you know, I don't know, just try and just open the conversation up a bit and kind of flesh that out a bit. Um, it's funny that you said, Kate, before that, um, it's not funny, I think it's great, that your dad was kind of more like the stay-at-home dad and, and your mum went out and worked. Um, we're seeing a lot more of that these days. And I think a lot more men are being open to that, whereas in the past, like that kind of stereotype of, I'll go earn the wage and, you know, you stay at home, you know, that's kind of gone. Um, And I think it is fantastic because now with more people working from home as well, I think it just opens up the opportunities to earn more and to be more flexible. And, you know, maybe if, if your partner does earn more from you, fellas, I'm talking to you, um, it's okay to say yeah you go and the wage i'll stay at home i'll be the stay at home dad like i'd love that um, <laughs> you know and that that's in the, the society that we live in today that is perfectly acceptable and that's a great thing and maybe you are fellas you're maybe you are better with money so you're the one that's doing the budgeting you're the one that's doing all of this and setting budgeting goals take the front foot get on the front foot there like take that first step have that conversation with your partner too um You know, it's not all about, you know, it's as wonderful as it is about like buying cryptocurrencies and trading penny stocks and and doing all this sort of stuff. Um, As we've always said, you can't, you can't invest your way out of a savings mistake. So get that, that financial house in order and then roll from there that would be a yeah. big, big takeaway for, for fellows.
1: <laughs> and if you are looking for another resource for examples on having this conversation I've mentioned his name before but Ramit Sethi actually launched a podcast last year I can't remember the exact name I'll include it in the show notes but he actually does sort of like financial couples counseling on air and so he talks um, partners through like all of their issues and how they're dealing with their finances and why they can't see eye to eye or why they don't feel like they've got enough or why they don't feel free to spend or they're stuck in debt. And it's actually really interesting to listen to just these conversations and kind of be like that fly in the window, um, listening to this, because these are hmm. the conversations you'd never hear, like, like they're very intimate conversations that you'd never usually hear. And so I think it's really interesting and it might help you get better perspective or find some questions that might be good to use to open up that conversation so mm-hmm. i'll
0: include that with the list of questions in the show notes if anyone's interested and if you are a listener and you want to come on you and your partner a game to come on this show let us know We'd, i think that'd be a fantastic listener story to pick your yeah. brain and understand how you've managed money particularly if you've overcome some things um some challenges along the way like that's fantastic as i say in the podcast community that's good content no it's uh it would be fantastic to um it would be fantastic to hear that because we don't often have that type of intimacy when we talk about money so bring it on if that's you um let's do it Uh, okay um there was something else that you mentioned before about um you know as you get older uh, or as you go along with the relationship you become your finances become more entwined um My brother-in-law, he speaks about um, their finances quite a bit. And he says they have what's called a team account. So it's where in the couple, they treat there's one account that's like the team's account, meaning that it's like the two of them working in a team. Mm -hmm. Um, And outside of that, they have their own spending accounts, even though they've been together for a long time. And uh, the team account is like this the sacred account that's like the team's gold. Uh, So that would be like those long-term goals. And then outside of that, they still have a bit of spending money and a bit of play money. And however they spend that is up to them. Um, And if they keep their money in their own spending account, they can roll it over into the next week and then they can do whatever they want with it that week and so on and so forth. So you can kind of be like a mini budget on the side of the main budget, uh, which is kind of cool.
1: Yeah, awesome. And I just think there's so many different strategies and the more people can talk to their friends and family about how they do it, it just sort of breaks down the barriers on that conversation and makes it easier for the next couple to talk about these issues, which is really important.
0: Mm, For sure. For sure. So, we've got a bunch of questions in the the show notes for this episode. I think they're going to be really important, and I think we're going to have a lot of questions about this in the uh, the Facebook community. I mean, if we're if we're already talking about it, this episode we going to spark a lot of chatter. So if you do have perspective on perspectives on this, if you do have things that you can share, let us know because we'll roll up all of your points and put them into a great post for everyone so we can share them across the community. Um, relationships and money everyone is unique and um, to be honest w- there could be a lot more out there for couples um, who are who are kind of in the formative stages of their relationship or that have been doing it a long time um, one final thing that i'll call out um, just when it comes to relationships and money is that maybe this is like a remit safety thing there kate um getting counseling is actually really important so if if you find that you can't if you can't go in into the relationship with an open mind and be honest, or your partner can't, getting getting help is is a wonderful thing to do. That might be understanding their values and where their anxiety about money comes from. Um, encouraging them to to do that because your happiness is important. And speaking of that, um, we know that um, one of the things that is unfortunate when it comes to couples and money—not to bring down Valentine's Day—is that. um Financial abuse is actually a major problem in Australia. So this can come in the form of people withholding money, not talking about money, spending excessively, and you're not knowing why that's happening. So once again, uh, counselling and expert advice can really help in this way um, and can help you get to the bottom of things. There is like the National Debt Helpline. There's a bunch of other resources, financial counsellors, so many great free resources out there for you to, to understand as well as our community. So make the most of them.
1: Yeah, we'll have the the number for the National Debt Helpline with the wonderful financial counsellors that we've mentioned a few times now that anyone can access um, in the show notes as well. Yep. Cool. Wonderful. Well, I guess, I don't know if people wish it at large, but happy Valentine's Day folks. I don't know if it's like wishing everyone happy Christmas.
0: I guess you can. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> this um, this um, this flower budget. What was it? Flowers and what? Okay. Gifts some flowers. Gifts and flowers. Like for
1: birthday gifts. If you're going, I don't know, wedding gifts. Not that I've been to a wedding recently, but yeah, and just pick flowers. Valentine's Day. With, sure. The Valentine's Day could be in your gifts and flowers budget. Um, just like if if something amazing happens to a friend or something not so good, like sending flowers and things like that. So just having money set aside for that. I mean that personally works for me. Interesting,
0: interesting. Okay. Yeah. Do you want some flowers? Wow, well, maybe. Um. Do do does it work both ways? Like, do, is it always the man that gets the thing for the female, or is it like does, does the does a female get flowers? Like, I don't know how this work. Like,
2: I feel it like a, should work both ways. <laughs> it does.
0: It does. Have you guys ever sent flowers or chocolates to someone?
2: Yeah. 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 Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Interesting. <laughs> Maybe I need to have a chat about this. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, that's good to know. Good, good to know. Good to know. Um, all right. Fantastic. Well, this is heaps of fun, Monique. Thank you for joining Kate and I on the show. It's, it's, yeah, it's been um, fun. <laughs> yeah. Get you out from behind the camera and <laughs> in front of the mic. So, it's going to be um, weird ed-
2: editing myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know. I was thinking I about it. I don't envy you. Yeah. Kate and, Kate and I used to edit our podcasts and oh, I used to hate editing my own voice. I was, I was like, what is this yep. idiot saying? So you've done amazingly for your first episode and um, yeah, you got the audio down. We didn't even have to adjust your audio or your video for you. Um, got it down. Yeah, yeah it's great. And th- th- thanks Kate for being the, the, the moderator of the, the chat today. It's like it's great being interviewed by the wonderful Kate Campbell. <laughs>
1: oh, I try, I try.
0: Anyway, I think we better wrap
1: this show up and let people okay. get on with their Valentine's Day.
0: Yes, happy Valentine's Day. And um, thank you both for for joining me on this episode.
2: Thank you.
1: <laughs> Thanks
0: for listening, everyone.
1: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians.
0: To join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Raskinvest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.